Welcome back to the Sandstone Cycles podcast, everyone. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. I really do appreciate you guys listening. Hope everyone's doing well. Hope everyone's happy, healthy, and enjoying their new year. Okay, we're just going to get right into this. Today's guest on the podcast is Nate Duckett. Nate is currently the mayor of Farmington, New Mexico, and he was nice enough to sit down with me and really explain to me what's going on with outdoor recreation. I've been hearing a lot of excitement lately uh, around a deal called ORI, which is the Outdoor Recreation Industry Initiative. So I wanted to sit down with someone to explain to me more about it, and Nate did a really awesome job breaking down the just the inception of it, how it came about, what we want the Four Corners area to look like in the future, specifically like Farmington, Astic, Bloomfield area, um, kind of just building an economy around outdoor recreation. So it was really cool. And he also goes into uh, some other things that Farmington's trying to do, like uh, take advantage of empty lots or getting rid of abandoned buildings, things like that. But for the most part, just trying to stay super excited and super, super hyped on just our outdoor recreation, what we do have, everything from ruins or Bistai Badlands, mountain bike trails, UTV trails, our rivers, our lakes, all that stuff. Um, we just need to be super proud of and really try to get the word out to people who aren't around this area to come here and visit, take advantage of those things. Um, but a big thing is like marking those. So uh, I think part of the initiative is a lot of the cities getting on board to um, create better signage or uh, maps and things like that and uh, possibly create more trails and more outdoor recreation. So, uh, But Nate knows a lot about this, very knowledgeable, does an awesome job, awesome job and uh, can't think of him enough for taking the time to sit down and have the conversation. So hope you all enjoy it. I know I really did and I learned a ton. Um, so I hope you all do as well. And as always, thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you guys next time. Thanks. <laughs> right on, man. Well, thank you for your time. I really appreciate you um, joining me, sitting down with me. I'm glad you called. Yeah. Glad I got an opportunity to meet you and talk about all the stuff you're doing and the things we're trying to pull off here in Four Corners, USA. Yeah, it's an exciting time. That's really why uh, I wanted to sit down with you, and I wanted to figure out what's going on with outdoor recreation. That's my main point uh, with this podcast or just living in this area in general. Um, I've just been hearing it a lot. Outdoor recreation. What's gonna? But what? What's? Is there a plan or what's going on? I, sure. You know probably a lot more about this than I do. Yeah, look, you know I'll rewind time a little bit here to talk. Uh, we'll go back to like 2014. Uh, the Citizens of Visitors Bureau here in the city of Farmington, led by Tanya Stinson, had gotten together with their board and made a plan that they wanted to brand Farmington. And you can think from a tourism board perspective, they need to have something that they could align kind of the interests of the community with what we're trying to sell ourselves as. And so they went on this journey and a lot of community input, um, public input sessions, things like that, and came out with the Jolcher Journey tagline. Um, and so what does that mean to jolt somebody's journey? And even then they recognized just the tremendous assets that we had in outdoor recreation. And when we're trying to take a community that has historically been, um, economically speaking, based in oil and gas and coal and energy, mm -hmm. um, and we're trying to find some other things that we can do well and kind of make up the, take up the slack where, where energy is falling off now, um, this made a lot of sense. Outdoor recreation made a whole lot of sense. So from the, the Jolcher Journey brand initiative that began, they created these brand alliance uh, teams. And in one of these teams came out, ORI, Outdoor Recreation Industry Initiative, came out of, of these meetings, which were, by the way, filled with business people and community members uh, from all over kind of the Tri-Cities area. And ORI kind of took a life of its own, and we put together four different subgroups of the bigger group that dealt with infrastructure and business development, marketing, things like that. And and we started working on things. And really what we were trying to do initially is put together kind of a roadmap of where we've been, what we've invested in, the assets that already exist, um, and where we would like to see them grow. Mm -hmm. 
And so even in the room we're sitting in right now is a huge map of San Juan County. And it, on there, it details, this is really 2016 information, but all the trails uh, that existed in our area from that time. And what we had intended to do with the help of San Juan County um, and their GIS department was go out and have trail riders carry with them GPS units that would track trails that we could add to that map, kind of add to our inventory. Uh And then with working with the BLM, start designating these trails within their recreation management plan, which is a very complicated, convoluted system in and of itself. But the BLM? uh, Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just just in general. Yeah. And by the way, the BLM has been fantastic partners uh, in the Outdoor Recreation Initiative. Many people don't know this, but well, they probably do. This is an energy office for the BLM. Okay. Okay. So they had no intent of having a recreational component to it because they're dealing with oil gas leases and and those kind of things. Well, we now have two and a half people serving at this office who are dealing strictly with recreation management. Perfect. Um, So those things come with good and bad. The good is that they are they're at the table with us. They, they love our plan and growing outdoor recreation here, recognizing their role as they harbor the land where all the trails exist. Yes. Um, so making sure we've created bridges, not just between governments, but bridges between community members and user groups with the BLM has been really, really important. So we began these meetings and, and had, had a few public meetings as well. Um, the city of Farmington has hosted a couple meetings for folks looking to open up businesses where they could utilize city property for outdoor recreation. So we have the Animus, uh, I think it's Animus Explorers, down okay. on Animus River at Bird Park, who this past summer were renting uh, bicycles for people to use in Bird Park. Perfect. Also, uh, float floating devices. Unfortunately, there wasn't any water in the river, so it was a rough <laughs> summer for that. Yeah. Um, but we've seen seen that component grow. Uh, Robbie Donald with Four Corners Explorers and the OHV rentals that he has yep. coming out of uh, Quality Center for Business at the college. Another business to come out of that. Jack's Plastic Welding has been here for a long time. Well-respected group. Yeah. Uh, we want to kind of learn from Jack and the things that he has done right in growing his business and recognition across really internationally now. Um, and take all that expertise and find a way to incorporate that into focusing it on San Juan County. Yeah. That's how it started. Um, where it's at now is completely different to some degree. So let me turn this down. Sure. Yeah. So go ahead. When you're engaged in economic development, Uh this is a very, it's a very long, complicated, um, conversations that are had with all the entities who are in, who want to grow economically. Right. So you're talking all the cities, the counties, uh, the Navajo nation, all of those businesses and and you sit there and you're trying to fill the gaps of how do we attract new businesses to our area? How do we grow current businesses in our area? Because the ultimate goal is to bring more people here. Okay. Um, and you sit at these, these tables and you have these year-long conversations and as economic development history has shown in our area, I mean, we've been having conversations about that for detailed conversations for 12 years. But no entity was willing to come to the table and say we really wanted to fund it. Okay. And in... In the world that I come from and, and business management, there's a certain saying, sometimes you got to spend money to make money. And if we're not willing to put forward the communities in the community's best interest, because when I got elected as mayor last year, uh, March of last year, economic development was the first thing that everybody wanted to talk about. And what are you going to do differently than any other person who's come before you? Yeah. It's a very hard question when there's no money. Yeah. Um, and so people want change, but they weren't understanding how we get there. And if you don't have the private businesses that are growing because oil and gas is shrinking, mm-hmm. um, how are you going to fund these projects? So we took a big leap um, here as a, as a government body, as a city council. And I made the recommendation that we uh, last year pass a quarter percent um, community transformation economic development tax. And that within that community transformation economic development component is a focus on outdoor recreation and developing these assets and doing the part that the city can play in attracting people to our area. We don't want government to create jobs, right? We want government to remain small. Yeah. What government needs to do is create as best they can through public private partnerships, an environment where businesses can thrive, where people can thrive, where they want to move for retirement, where they want to raise their families. Uh, Because we're finding now in the world out there that 
companies, a lot more of the power resides in the employees and where the employees want to live uh, as to where the companies go. Yeah. And we see the Four Corners, and you celebrate the Four Corners areas is the perfect place if you're passionate about outdoor experiences um, to have a business, to raise a family, and and to do those things. So this quarter percent tax, which which passed unanimously, and in the public meetings that we had, we, I think we had one person who was vehemently against the idea. Uh, but for the most part, I think the citizens recognized that if we don't do something, we're going to die mm-hmm. as a community. Because uh, when you're not growing, you're dying. I mean, that's a very common phrase. Absolutely. We have a lot of challenges facing us, uh, specifically in our in our job base here, with the threat of the closure of San Juan Generating Station, the coal mine that goes with it, Four Corners Power Plant, um, which is on, on a chopping block further down the road. And the timing seemed really late to me, but it, it seemed mm-hmm. it's better it's better now than, than later, so to yeah. speak. Yeah. Economic diversification takes time, it takes money, and by us investing in this now, it gives us four years up to 2022 when they anticipate the closure of that, that power plant, which is 1,500 jobs. Wow. And the 1,500 jobs, that's really the focus of the closing of that plant. We all recognize coal is going out the window, but the 1,500 jobs can't just go out the window. That, that kills San Juan County, that kills the Navajo Nation, that impacts the state in some, some dramatic ways as well. That's for a whole other podcast. Um, but an emphasis on low-hanging fruit and areas where we can grow economically, outdoor recreation exists there. So with this tax that was passed, we hired an outdoor recreation um, director. Perfect. We hired an economic uh, development director. And we've now begun a new path as a city as towards this bigger vision that, that existed before and really hammering down how we can get the biggest bang for our buck and bring people to Farmington for outdoor recreation. Man, that's amazing. That's a mouthful. That's so cool. Uh, I love it. Uh, yeah, like you said, it's better better now than never. Uh, it does seem a little late. That's one of the questions I was going to ask you is like, why now? Why why is the focus so heavily on outdoor recreation now when we've had these, um, <clears throat> you know, all this beautiful land and mountain biking and all this stuff? Is it, uh, you just think it's a turn and people think more people are getting outside nowadays or what what's the interest in outdoor recreation right now because i feel it feels like there's quite the interest in it i I think we spark something i think and i I think it's we as in people like you um and obviously the blm having an additional staff there recognizing nationally speaking they've obviously the outdoor industry association puts out numbers every year uh to what the economic impact is of working within that industry, whether you're, you know, you're manufacturing goods, whether you're a guide, an outfitter, whatever the case may be, I think all of a sudden this information started coming towards us really quickly, and we're going, why aren't we acting now? Yeah. Um, to your point, though, why, why now and why not before? I've made this statement in the past. We didn't have to be imaginative in how we were going to drive money into Farmington before. Mm-hmm. If you worked in oil and gas, money was coming. Right. And there's right. so many of the jobs that are in and around this area deal directly with those industries. You didn't have to worry about where your paycheck was going to come from. Well, as technology improved and fracking became you know, utilized across the nation and and people started moving out to try and find jobs in that industry. All of a sudden it was like, crap, we better get imaginative. Mm-hmm. And, and what are some of the things that we know we have that wouldn't cost us a lot of money to improve upon? And just like you said, we've had these beautiful lands here forever. Those assets have been here. I, I grew up with them. Yeah. We utilized them all the time growing up through high school. But nobody put a trail sign out there to tell me what trail this was and why yeah. I should be on it. Um, in 2014, Lake Farmington was still closed for public use. You know, And you're standing out there at wow. this lake going, why aren't we using this as yeah. a means for quality of life for our own citizens, for you know people from all over the state or from uh, you know Southern Colorado, Four Corners area to come down here uh, for a weekend where they could go to the lake yeah. and they can go shopping and they can go experience mountain biking and off-roading and all these things. Why aren't we doing that? And that's when lights started clicking. Perfect. And we started piecing this puzzle together. And what you guys done out there in just a year, year and a half, maybe two? I mean, it's beautiful it's, yeah, i mean 2015 i love the splash park that's pretty open. cool right the beach has been a, a big hit um we got campground out there now as well we are nice. in the process of building a um, mountain bike and ohv trail that will a dedicated 
trail that will go. Obviously, there's other trails that go to the lake from the glade. But that, that was recent, right? There was a recent meeting about that. Right. I kind of missed it. What? Yeah. What was that about? There's a, a trail going. They just want a trail. Where's the trail going? Or we want to tie in to uh, Seven Sisters. Okay. From from Lake Farmington, essentially. Perfect. Um, and provide access. Uh, for people who are out there doing those the things we want them out there doing mm-hmm. uh, to be able to to get in and out of the lake easily. Now, there's all sorts of trails that go in and out of the lake, and people have pointed that out. Yeah. But an actual dedicated trail that's on a map that when uh-huh. we advertise the city of Farmington outwardly, you know, that is on there to say, hey, check this out. You know, yeah. you can you can drive in off of Penny Hills Boulevard and pull into the Glade, and from there you have access to all this land, including a lake, yeah. um, as a part of it. So. Uh, that's a big piece of that puzzle. And I, and I see that lake as being, um, really, it's, it's still, even with just the beach that's there and the campground, it's still a pretty blank canvas for what it could be. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, we're talking zip lines now as a component of outdoor recreation. Yeah. Um, we think that is a, an adventure-type sport that people, especially you know, when it's colder in areas north of us, they want to come down, and, and you know this better than anybody. Mountain biking right now in Farmington is great because the ground yeah. is frozen. Yeah, right? it's perfect. To yeah, some degree. it's the only place with no mud. <laughs> and so you come down and you mountain bike, and we got zip lines available and yeah. ch- or challenge courses. You know, you make it a family event, and it really pushes that positive momentum that we're, we're looking for. Exactly. Do they still let kids jump off the cliffs there? At Farmington Lake? Yeah. No. We we used to do that in high school. Yeah, we did too. (laughs) I've told that story. Yeah. (laughs) There's a lot of things we did as kids that that have somehow been outlawed. I don't know. We need to open the cliffs back up. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe not. Yeah. Uh, Are other towns in the community, Bloomfield, Astic, surrounding towns, are are they kind of on board with this? Have they talked to them much? Yeah. So when we initiated Ori in and of itself, I can just tell you from being uh, the chairperson of the infrastructure committee, uh, we had Aztec at the table. Bloomfield's been slow to come around, but my uh-huh. understanding is that they really un- they're starting to get it. Perfect. Um, they're getting invested in it. Kirtland's been at the table from the beginning and trying to utilize uh, some of their assets out there by the golf course for mountain biking. And nice. I mean, obviously, you got Pinion Mesa and, and different places between here and there. Um, so it is. It is a is a regional effort, yeah. So to speak, and it and it, it can be bigger. It could be bigger. Be more players in it. Yeah, um, absolutely. Go ahead. How how do people get involved? The so you're you're saying the uh, the tax that's a, a city tax, and then you guys Correct. will ha- so will you guys fund local nonprofits or are you guys doing the work like the city of Farmington Parks and Rec going to go build the trails? How how are actually how's the boots on the ground so to speak going no, to actually? Great question. Make and those are some of the things we're still trying to figure out. Okay. Um, I can just tell you from elected. Uh, position standpoint, the city literally after the new year was like, look, man, this is the first time that we've been tasked with such a, a venture and we're excited yeah. about it, but we really don't know exactly how we're going to go at it. And so we've, we've had um, two meetings, they call it the mayor's uh, CTED committee and starting to lay this out. But here's the things we've already done. And this is, this is kind of a broader scope, not just about outdoor recreation, but community transformation. Um, We've, we've dedicated some of this to removal of blight. So where Miller and Pinion is here in the city of Farmington, uh, there used to be a, an old gas and uh, oil and gas building uh-huh. there. I think it's on, um, oh, I want to tell you, eight acres, but I could be wrong in that. Anyways, it had been used for many different things over the years, but, but basically over the last five years, it become a danger to society. I mean, this is a place that was constantly inhabited by inebriates set on fire it was a danger for firefighters to step in there anymore and it was bad and so we finally worked out a deal with the landowner the city brought the property it's a strategic property for us perfect we'd like to see some outdoor recreation manufacturing or some use of that uh, because it's right by the river yeah uh utilize on that spot and we we raised the buildings tore them all down and uh, improved that position trails along the river are a big emphasis we want to connect all the way from Among the Waters, which is on our, our southwest uh, side of the city, and connected all the way up to where the Pinion Hills Bridge extension would go, okay. uh, which is on the west side, of, or the east side of the city. Is that by Ford Zimes? Right. Okay. Yep. You guys are wanting to just go straight at that stop sign? Uh, essentially. Stop yeah, essentially. Okay. We already own all the right-of-way there. There's wow. a plan at some point when we can come up with $20 million uh, <laughs> to build a uh, what they call Pinion Hills 
bridge extension, which would then connect Pinion Hills into County Road uh, 3000, I think is what it is, okay. uh, Southside River Road, essentially. Perfect, yep. But it would be a yep. bridge that would go across the river and give people from the Mesa additional access to come into the city, which would relieve some of the traffic on Main Street, uh, yeah. provide new opportunities for businesses to open up shop along that corridor. Um, but river trails are a focus, uh, getting those go those connected. Um, Lake Farmington, of course, the zip lines, and also a component here near Gateway Museum, Farmington Museum, uh-huh. is an idea for what we're calling Gateway Park. And okay. when Just, you drive through Main Street in Farmington, it's all retail. It's all business from one end to the other end. And there's nothing really that stands out to you that says, hey, check it out. Check out this river yeah. <laughs> that's right here, by the way. And yeah, that's right the off close, the highway. Right off the highway. <laughs> so this has been a dirt lot next to the museum forever. And we are making a big push to develop that into a beautiful park, kind of a centerpiece park Perfect. that will allow people to have access to the river um, and, to, and really to the, uh, the trails that are going to flow through there as well. One of the really important parts, Chris, that I want to make sure I, I emphasize today is the wayfinding signs. Um, maybe you've seen them here throughout the city now. I, I just noticed one um, over there on Pinion Hills right before you get to Chokecherry, and mm-hmm. it said, uh, jolt your journey on top. Right. And there was a little arrow pointing. Pointing up to the glade. Yeah, we need more of that. So back in 2014 when they started the brand initiative, um, they would go and, and talk to waiters and people in hotels and say, hey, you know, when people come in here, what do you tell? And they say, what is there to do? What do you tell them? And, of course, the answer was, well, we tell them to go to Durango uh, <laughs> because there's lots to do in Durango. And part of the problem, even if at that point, you're like, well, you tell them to go check out Berg Park. You know, I don't really think about Berg Park. Do yeah. uh, you tell them about the off-roading and mountain biking out in the glade? You know, I don't ever think about that. Well, part of the reason we don't think about it is because it's not in the front and center of our of our minds. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was about three years ago, two years ago, I gathered up a bunch of city people and I said, let's go on a field trip. Yeah. And we started driving around looking at places where we should be highlighting Perfect. how to get to the river. I mean, mm-hmm. how, if I wanted to put a boat into the river, would I even know where to go? Yeah. You, would, you wouldn't. It's hard to find those signs. Absolutely. So we put together a comprehensive sign package that has just been rolled out. And man, I've... I think they're I think they're awesome, and so they they highlight the cultural elements. Yeah. There's a color for cultural assets. Nice. That's uh, the the orange, kind of the crazy looking orange, but that shows you where the museum is and the civic center and things like that. Then you have the green signs, which is for traditional um, recreation, baseball, golf, yep. tennis, those kind of things. Um, then you have the brown, which is the outdoor recreation part, where we want to point you to Kinsey Trail off of Foothills, where we yep. want to point you to the Frisbee Park. Uh, up at Lions Wilderness Park, where it takes you to the Glade, um, yeah. all the, where river access is, where Berg Park is. And for me, that's going to be symbolic for not just the people coming into town who go, oh, what do these symbols mean? Where is this taking me? Yeah. But for those of us who live here, who are like, oh, man, did you know you can go fishing right over here? There's a great little fishing spot. Did you know you can fish at Farmington Lake? And um, <laughs> that kind of stuff. But, I mean, that's kind of what we're leading into. Yeah. We've done a mayor's table here uh, for your listeners. You can check out the Farmington Mayor's Table on YouTube. But we did one out. Uh, we went out to the Bistai okay. Badlands, which we believe is a jewel out here um, in the desert. I mean, you won't find anywhere else in the United States that has what the Bistai has. And then we did a second one out at Quality Waters and really kind of focused on the fishing industry. Uh, and that is that is that outdoor recreation industry yep. that is already fully formed has outfitters, has all the, the bait shops and boat shops yeah. and everybody affiliated with it. How can we get that to be the mountain bike component in our yeah. city, right? How do we exactly. get that to be the OHV component in the city? I mean, there, there's so much opportunity there. And again, it's it's all about building partnerships. And, and the next component really where we need, we need help with, Chris, is the user groups. So mm-hmm. if you're a mountain biker, for example, and I'm not trying to pick on mountain bikers by any means with, no, the, no, no, with these statements, but... <clears throat> We've been to Moab uh, for field trips to try and understand how Moab became Moab. Perfect. Um, and it began with people having the experiences and then going, man, wouldn't it be great to live here and just do this all year long and make a business out of it? And now it's loaded yeah. uh, with those businesses. It is. Yeah. But they also have a really cool user group component that is funding trail development. And so um, there's a group out there called Trail Mix. And the guys and ladies in Trail Mix go out and raise funds through their 501c3 
and then they go to the BLM with money and say, hey, we're going to pay for um, the the studies that have to be done before a trail can be laid, the environmental studies Perfect. or the um, – oh, what's the one I'm looking for? Um, making sure you're not stepping on <laughs> land that shouldn't be – Oh, okay. AES is what they call them, but I can't think what the A stands for. Not anthropology. Uh, um, anyways, <laughs> you know what I mean. You got to yeah, pay yeah. for these studies as yeah. required by federal law mm-hmm. in order to get done. And the BLM doesn't have money to pay for these. And that's and that's what people have have been expecting for so long as well. Government should be taking care of these things for us so that we can use them. Mm-hmm. Well, what's going on in Moab is the trail users are raising money to take care of them, and they're Perfect. building trails. And you're doing some of that in Aztec. Yeah, with Atos. Yeah. Yeah. So we need to get to that that part where that relationship really blossoms. Perfect. And the local user groups are raising money so that we can start like building it. more trails, maintaining trails, uh, because it's going to take the user groups to make this happen. Government's yeah. government, man. It's full mm-hmm. of bureaucracy. It's full of right. hoops. Um, and it's never going to move as fast as we want. But if yeah. private groups show up with money and a plan, and the BLM is much more likely to get it done. Very cool. Yeah, that's one thing I want to do with the – with ATOS, I, one thing that's been on my mind lately is the uh, UFO crash site in Aztec. Right. Talk about a tourist attraction yeah. and you don't know how to get there. Yep. I mean, I've read articles, I've listened to podcasts about it. Um, people come in here and they spend a whole day looking for it and they're just completely disappointed because they can never find it. It's sad. There it's are so hard many. To find. Well, there's secrets. Oh, we, we are we are a community of secrets. Yeah. Right. I really believe this. And and why I love it so much is there's. There's a lot of information on this UFO crash. Like, what it, it is what like, you don't have to believe in UFOs. Or right. I'm not talking about that. I'm just saying it. People in, look at Roswell. I was going to say Roswell is Roswell. Like, the McDonald's is a UFO. Yeah, like, that's I, right. I think Aztec could just get on board with that. I agree. People will Embrace come and it. check it out. Embrace it. I mean, as long as there's government documentation and a story for people, the conspiracy theorists to dig into, they're going to come look at it. That's right. You're going to bring people out. They're going to stare at the night sky. They're going to be looking for these things. I mean, because if it's happened once, it's going to happen again, right? (laughs) No, I agree with you. Roswell was built on that. Um, It's crazy. And we should should absolutely be taking as much advantage as we can. It's unique, right? I mean, it's totally unique. And I've been told that that the story behind that's even better than the one from Roswell. I mean, depending who you talk to. Dude, I hear the same thing. It's exciting stuff. Um, another one I think would be really cool. I don't know if you guys have talked about this is, uh, ruins, the ones that are remote, uh, just being in the oil field for the last nine years, I've discovered probably 20 ruins, maybe more just out up Largo. Yeah. All over. There's ruins all over. They're so cool too. They're just, you'll just randomly see one up on a chunk of sandstone. You're like, Oh, there's a ruin. I think it'd be cool to map those, to map them and, uh, maybe start like a little, um, you take people out on them, you know, like yeah. a one day. I don't know if you could probably do it in a day, but maybe a day little well, you, little tour. And they got to check it off on their list of, you know, I saw this one and yeah. you can have lunch out there and make it. And that's what those out, you know, we want outfitters out there doing it. And part of the, you know, part of the issue in the past is being able to work with the BLM to get a license to outfit on public land. Oh, okay. um, and so we've really been working on that. And I, you know, whatever your politics may be, Senator Heinrich has tried to push a bill through that streamlines the permitting process to allow for outfitters to have easier access to public lands. Because what's the point of having a public land if nobody can go and see it? Yeah. You know, if you don't know where it's at, it just becomes uh, it becomes convoluted. I feel the same way about the Bistai. I'm uh, very passionate about what the Bistai offers for, for tourists and for locals both. I think last year we did a that mayor's table out there but if i asked 10 people nine of those 10 people had never been to the bistai and many of them had lived here their whole lives um but if you asked them if they'd been to colorado and and gone to the mountains well of course yeah of yeah. course we do that so we went out to the bistai man and we checked out i mean some areas just blow your mind beautiful of course right alien yeah. type landscapes uh, but the petrified wood that's out there just these giant conifer trees that where did they come from, you know, and, and you, you start looking around and you're, you're finding you know, fragments of bones and, wow. and things. Um, you know, at one point we're standing on top of this hill and it, it literally, it looks like red rock and they're colites. And the colite is a, a, is a petrified, petrified poop for lack of a better word. Really? Wow. Because it, that whole area was once a swamp. And so all of this material of course excrement sank to the bottom of this swamp uh-huh. where oxygen's depleted and 
it just and it became petrified. That's and crazy. so you're standing on this giant red hill and you pick it up and it looks like you're holding a dog turd. Like it's really it's, it's just petrified. It's just petrified. It's so crazy. And then just just north of that area is what they call the log jam, which you can I mean you just walk you walk out there and you see really the power of nature where you've never seen it before. These huge conifer trees laying on top of sandstone in areas and, and you can see where the sandstone has been shifted. You know, a lot of times we see sandstone is smooth and you can kind of see the layers in it where it's actually been shifted up. And to think about the power of the earthquake that would have caused this type of shifting to have happened, uh, shift to have happened. Yeah, yeah. And it really all triggers down to um, the KT event when the dinosaurs went extinct. And so when that asteroid hit in Mexico, they think within 15 minutes it had decimated that entire area uh, where the Bistai is. And you can actually see the KT layer in the layers of the sand and sandstone that's out there. And it's, it's one of the few places where that much of it's exposed. But you can find that layer all over the earth. But out there, it's exposed on, on a higher level than anywhere else. So some really cool stuff. But if, so you go to the, if you go to the Bistai, though, there's, not a, there's a sign that says Bistai. Right, and there's a parking lot. Just like right off the highway. Yeah, something. but then you get into it, and you're like, where, where, where am I going? I mean, okay, well, I'll follow this, this trail. But this is something, if I go to the Aztec ruins, every ruin has a sign. Mm-hmm. You've got a pamphlet in your hand to tell you what number on that pamphlet and what it is. And yeah. the Bistai needs that same sort of thing. It needs to be an electronic version, right? It needs to be like an app. Yeah. Uh, but when you're standing on a hill of colite, what am I standing on? You know, and it tells you you're standing on ancient dinosaur poop. Um that's that's the kind of infrastructure we need to see developed in this. Right. The, and I'm picking on the Bistai here, but there's a logbook that guests can sign into when they go into the Bistai and the Denazin uh, side of the, which is the east side entrance. In in this logbook, when we were out there in August of last year, um, there was probably 80 signatures wow. of people, the majority of whom came from overseas. Jeez. I mean, there, I think the second highest. Um, population that was in there was from like belgium or it was incredible italy england um wow and you're going this there are there are people coming here for this yeah and yet we're not going there's locals i know we're not celebrating it i'm wanting to go there I'm gonna, i think i'm gonna go there me and the family no oh, it's yeah it's all i haven't right. been since like grade school like you know you go take a field trip out there like yeah. that, that's the last time i went well, i took oh. my son out there i've taken him out there twice this last year and and each time we leave there, he's like, Dad, I'm so glad we come out and check this out. You know, yeah. and I love hearing that That's because so it, cool. it gets him away from all the other things that go on. And Absolutely. Off your uh, phone, off the couch, yeah. off the, the TV. The fossil forest that's out there, another great place. I mean, literally fossils everywhere. Um, and then uh, Ashishnapah. Ashishnapah is another really important area. This is where they're pulling dinosaurs out of the ground right now. Um, so the Bistai Beast, which is in Albuquerque at UNM's museum, was pulled out of, of Ashishnapah. I did not know that. Yeah, and there's... Um, is this out at the Bistai also? Yeah, so it's oh. south. It's across the road, and it's it's back there a ways. I mean, it's three, four miles off the road. Is there access, though? There is access. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you, there's a great map online that will show you how to get to these places. Um, you just have to, to Google Bistai yeah. Wilderness. So, yeah, to your point, there's so many secrets here that we've just not really plugged ourselves and plugged the world into that we offer. Uh, the Bistai course, National Geographic, ranked it this year the number 13th place that you should go visit in the world. Wow. Um, it was ranked number one in another European travel magazine as a place you need to go see. And we need to celebrate those things. Absolutely. You know, those are positive uh, spotlight on our on our area. Well, one thing I've noticed, uh, you were saying earlier going to Moab, is you can pull into any gas station and get a pamphlet uh, that folds out into this big old map. <clears throat> and all the trails are on there. I think that would be something. Do you have to pay for that? I don't know. But so I'll Or just, mostly bike shops have them too. So know? I'll tell you, this trail mix that I talked about, uh-huh. they make that map. Oh, okay. And my understanding is, and this was two years ago, was that there was no like Moab-sponsored um, app, so to speak, that okay. had all those maps on it. They just make this paper map, and that's how they fund the money Perfect. that they're putting in the trails. So it's... Yeah, I mean, it's serving a, a really bulb. good purpose. Just had a light bulb go right? off. Right? <laughs> because we've been asking for this, and this is this is really the next component for me in pushing for this. The inventory of trails that we have, we, we, we know what's out there. The stuff that's been designated by the BLM, we can advertise. 
let's advertise it mm-hmm. and let's improve upon it. Um, one of the things we're working on here kind of with the city and the BLM is the Anasazi Trail up okay. off of College Boulevard. Yep. We would like to see that segregated off as a mountain bike only accessible area. You know, okay. one of the big complaints we get here, of course, is that um, there's multiple user types out on these trails and people with a razor, not to pick on razor users because I was one of them. But I, I, I'm, I love anything motorsport. Right. I love all, I, I'm in a weird spot, but anyway, go ahead. I, well, I love all of, You're it, using all of it. I love all of it. I love all of it. And when I got my razor, you know, it didn't come with a with a handout that said, please don't run this on trails that aren't meant to be. I, I had no clue. Yeah. I, and maybe if you have a history of mountain biking and you went and got a razor, you know better than to ride on the mountain bike trails. But I'm yeah. riding on trails going, why do they put this tree stump over this trail? <laughs> this is ridiculous. I go move the tree stump. I come back and the tree stump's there. You know, and it was ignorant of me. It was total ignorance. Yeah. It was innocent. I didn't mean, wasn't meaning to do anything. I was just taking my OHV out for a ride. Yeah. Um, we need to get education out there for people. Yeah. And, and I want to talk, if I have a second, I want to talk about something that, that I'm rolling out here uh, pretty quick. My friend, my friend, Catherine Pettyjohn, uh, who's a member of the Chamber of Commerce here in Farmington, she's a red coat, had visited a place in Oregon and sent me um, what she what we're calling the Farmington Pledge. Um, and this pledge is, is really built around this, uh, you know, the principles for people to, so that we can preserve Farmington's treasured shared spaces and ensure public lands will always remain pristine and accessible to community members and visitors. And so the pledge kind of has these core principles built around this. And I really appreciate Catherine uh, bringing this forward. But these these are what what they kind of say. Um, and we're, we're going to utilize this throughout a lot of our marketing. We'd like to see this put out on the trails. Uh, you know, at some point, the Glade, when you enter it from uh, Penny Hills Boulevard, it's going to have a big, you know, kind of a gazebo welcome station and have information like this on it. But the, the first part of this, and this is for all users out there listening, enjoy outdoors with all. I will be friendly, courteous, and respectful toward those encountered on public lands. Love it. Uh, follow the rules. I will adhere to designated instructions and postings, use areas for its intended purpose, and, sta- and keep safety and preservation top of mind. I will be a good neighbor. I will take care of adjacent land and property in hopes that private property owners continue to graciously share it. You may know this, but um, where Kinsey Trail is, there's about 100 yards there that's on private land right as you come off of foothills i did not know that. that's on somebody's private property and they've just allowed Very that cool. access point over the years so being a good neighbor i think is really important be well prepared i will seek adventure but prepare for the unexpected you know make sure you're bringing water make sure you're yep. bringing um, things that you need out there on the trail safety first and always i will maintain safe speeds refrain from unnecessary risk and always use proper restraints and safety equipment for myself and my passengers Leave no trace. I will not make my own trails. I will not leave trash behind or start fires on sensitive landscapes. I'll I'll respect the experience. Respect the experience. I will not disrupt designated cultural, archaeological, that's the AES, archaeological study. Arc study, yeah. Uh, Geographic and environmental conservation areas. I'll keep animals out of harm's way. I will take appropriate measures to keep my animals safe when encountered by fellow motorists, bikers, or hikers. And I'll be an ambassador. I will share my knowledge of and enthusiasm for Farmington's outdoor recreation resources and encourage family and friends to seek out and enjoy these rewarding experiences. I think those are really good sound principles for any of us using the outdoors. I absolutely love it. here would be uh, something we could all buy into. Oh, yeah. This is the first time I've publicly mentioned the pledge, by the way. I love that pledge. Um, and it's, uh, it's important because there's a lot of uh, – you see that. I've been riding for a while, and you do see a lot of uh, – and going back to what you were saying about the, you know, putting logs in the trail, some of those, some a lot of cases, those aren't really designated mountain biking trails, but the mountain bikers are trying to take over everything, you know? And so it's like one of them weird things. I don't know how to stop that and how to, we're, I don't know. Yeah, it's, we're working, with, weird, we're working we're, with at least the contingent that we know of here. Perfect, um, yeah. Because we recognize that it's not just people with off-road vehicles making their own trails. Mountain bikers are making their own trails too. And mm-hmm. absolutely. Um, and it's man, just the world we live in, and and trying to really um, create designated trails yeah. that are signed appropriately. It's huge. That can be advertised. You know that that it's easy to find. Yep. You know, um, and not going in places where they're not supposed to go. I mean, mm-hmm. but yeah. 
Is there is there any uh, interest in promoters? You, you talk to any out, outside promoters or anyone locally wanting to put on events? I mean, that, I feel like that's a, I don't know, so, that's kind of something lacking around here. I agree. No, <laughs> um, so I'll just make mention of this. I, I, you know Adam Morrissey at Strike Zone? Mm-hmm. I do, yeah. So Adam's putting on this cancer uh, event seen it. Yes. out there. Very cool. Alien Bike Shop is a component of that. So they've yep. got a mountain bike component and um, a running component and yoga and all those good so things. Cool. But... Um, no, we need more of that. Um, and, That's you know, we've had, it wasn't the Tough Mudder. It was the um, Xterra um, right, runs okay. came in. Out of Farmington, right? Right. Or wait, was it, it in Farmington? Uh, I think it was out, I think it was out towards, I thought it was out towards Aztec and towards um, oh, right. the that, lake, right? That was a while back, yeah, yeah. Um, but we, we certainly, well, and for people to know this, Farmington is going to go to the Outdoor Industry Association big summer meeting in Denver, and we're going to show up with a presence. And we're going to find, we want to find those companies that, A, want to be, want to utilize us as a Petri dish for their business, right? I mean, there's no better place for you to build it and to, ch- and to test it yeah. uh, than right here. We have it all. Um, but also looking for those groups who want to come and, and do those kind of events. We think there's a, a, a growing population of people who want to be invested in that. Yeah, absolutely. Diamondback. Let's get Diamondback down here. How yeah, that was actually that was actually another question I was gonna ask. How, <laughs> how do we get? <laughs> it all starts really small, I guess. I I really love uh, the Aztec Motocross track that sat stagnant for the last five years, um, but just recently, a uh, group of individuals they we kind of met them through our Atos meetings, and they actually ended just this two last Tuesday. They uh, city council Aztec like actually leased them the track, so they they have Beautiful. a whole race schedule and everything. And oh uh, man, looking at their numbers, they're doing groom practices. And but looking at their numbers on on who comes, they come all the way from Phoenix to come ride this track. Like groom practice, they haven't even held a race yet, and they had people coming from Phoenix, Albuquerque, all over the place. This is Denver, motoc- motocross. Motocross. Yeah. So I'm really excited for them to start their race series this yeah. year. I don't. I think it's like one a month or something i don't know it's it's pretty cool and then some groom practices in between but i'm excited for them to to make make some money doing that and utilize that facility because it's um we've got a bmx group here that's been wanting to do to do that in farmington because oh, we man. need a racetrack up here absolutely um, and we've been trying to work with them on on places where we can do it at there's been some land uh that's been in question for a little bit now uh, that we think would be a good place for it. But frankly, I just, I would like to see him pick yeah. a spot and let's just start getting it on and we can move it another time. It's just dirt. Absolutely. Right. So let's, let's <clears throat> do it. We've got a, a guy who wants to do paint gun leagues, Perfect. Uh, paint gun league here in Farmington. And so we're trying to find a spot where he could lease the land, so to speak, and, uh, and put that on because we think that'd be awesome too. Exactly. Um, and, and that's really, you know, when we start looking at community transformation, is opportunities for entrepreneurs and for current businesses, maybe in the energy sector and things are shrinking where they could pivot. They could pivot and they could begin investing into um, some of these new opportunities. We would love to see that start happening. Yeah. Beer is a big component of this, Chris. <laughs> love it. I'm going to bring beer into this. There's a, a great article um, in the Outside Magazine, and this was a few months ago, August of 2018, America's smartest town. Uh, innovative, adventurous, and full of beer. And nice. I was up at an economic summit in at Fort Lewis a couple of weeks ago, and they were talking about the economies of, of Southwest Colorado and, and Northwest New Mexico. And um, they made the statement that Colorado has been completely saturated now with microbrews, <laughs> and that they're they're now starting to thin out some of the ones who aren't going to make it. But I mean, every town seems like they have two or three. It doesn't matter how big the town is. Yeah, <laughs> it's incredible how much beer is up there. Um, and then, of course, the component of marijuana. Uh, recreational <clears throat> marijuana, they think that it's also reached its, has reached its peak. Well, New Mexico needs more beer. I mean, there's mm-hmm. arguments uh, for recreational marijuana, but I can certainly say for for the experience of, of outdoor recreation, um, I find locally brewed beer plays a big component into that. And we, we do have 505 over there in Aztec. Um, 550. 550. I think. Sorry, so, 550 no. Brewery. Yeah. Um, and Three mm-hmm. Rivers here in Farmington. But, you know, we could probably use a half dozen more maybe um, yeah. because it just, it makes, it puts a, it puts, it puts a spotlight on it. Yeah. I don't know. I, I go to these stores and, you know, you go to a place here in town and they'll have 
beer from the smallest city you've ever heard of in Colorado. You're like, what is this beer doing here? And it's really good. And you're like, well, how, did, how does this guy land on my shelf <laughs> in Farmington? And why aren't we, why isn't Three Rivers landing up on somebody else's shelf yeah. or Absolutely. You know, those kind of things? Because that's advertisement bringing people to those areas. Because yeah. if people can drive, like, oh, yeah, let's go check out that brewery. I've, I've tasted their beer. It's great. Yeah. Uh, mine's nightlife, too. Oh, uh, my gosh. People yeah, like to stay up late, especially people who don't have families. Uh, people who have families don't. But I drive through Astic at 8.30. It's dead. Nothing, nothing going on. I mean, right. you go to Durango, the whole, Street not just Durango, filled. but a lot of small towns, the whole thing's open till I don't know, they, midnight probably. I don't know. Just, you know, we've got a, because of our geography and only being 45 minutes away from, from that kind of nightlife, yeah. um, I have a couple thoughts on that. One, we should celebrate the shared economies of Durango and Farmington and Aztec and, and, and really celebrate those things because it, it's, we are really one big metropolitan area when you think about it. Yes. Um, they said in Durango that there's 1,200 people a day who travel into Durango from the outside area. There's 10,000 people who travel into Farmington for work. And we know a lot of people, obviously, who live in Farmington and work in Durango because it's more affordable to live in Farmington yeah. than it is Durango. Um, so we share that. But it there's not really easy access, right? If you want to go up there and, and enjoy an evening, uh, how are you going to get back home? Absolutely. But <laughs> safely, yeah. right? Um, lawfully and, and doing your, your part to, to not drink and drive or and the other things, maybe a component of that. Nightlife has been a big issue, in my opinion, in selling Farmington to the younger crowd. We've, uh, you know, had it many years ago, we went out and recruited some Marines uh, to join the Farmington Police Department. And a lot of them stayed, but a lot of them left. And one of the things they mentioned was, well, we're, you know, I'm 25 years old. I've got a young wife and we want to, we want to go hang out at night. And there's yeah. just not many places to do that. So we do want to see that grow. The laws in the state of New Mexico, this is my other thought, the laws in regards to liquor licensing and beer and wine licensing and those things are very different than in the state of Colorado. We've made a commodity out of owning a liquor license here. Many people can't come up with a half million dollars and to buy a liquor license and there's not any liquor licenses really available. Wow. Um, I know there's a bar here in town that leases their liquor license from the owner. So they pay them monthly to be able to sell, you know, to sell drinks at night. And you don't have that issue in Colorado. What's it like in Colorado? It's just a license. It's a liquor license and you buy it. And if your business makes it, then you make it, you pay, (laughs) you pay, your fee, just like you would a license, business license fee, it's a liquor license fee, wow. but it's not a half million dollar investment that you're having to make. So New Mexico has worked itself into a really bad corner because now you have all these owners of these half million dollar liquor licenses who don't want yep. legislature to go in there and say, by the way, we're going to add licenses to this mix and we're going to make them less expensive because it diminishes their investment. Exactly. I have a lot of really good ideas about how to fix that problem. Um, yeah. there's some ideas that are being floated around in Santa Fe. I think there's some young legislatures in Santa Fe who want to see that change. But here's the issue. If you live in Santa Fe or you live in Albuquerque, or maybe if you live in Las Cruces in that Rio Grande corridor, you don't face the same issues that we do up here as a rural city in New Mexico, because you are, you they're already flooded with beer. Yeah. They're already flooded with those places and you can go there and experience the nightlife and they won't make a rule change that will help us. Why? Because they own it all. True. Right. So one of the things that come out of my friend, Ben Lyons, who's a realtor here in town, great idea. Um, he's like, let's do a stock split. So Chris, if you own a liquor license, the state would say, all right, Chris, you can come to us. And what we're going to do is for your $500,000 investment in your one license, we're going to give you 10 licenses valued at $50,000. And then you can sell those nine other licenses at 10,000 or $50,000, whatever. Yeah. And then, and then we could do a stock split 10 years from now. And now your $50,000 license, I'm going to give you five for $10,000 each, right? I mean, there's a, there's a process that could be gone through that would guarantee those people recoup their investment and we're able to grow that in the state. And I, there may be people listening who aren't big fans of, of alcohol for, for their own reasons. Uh, but it's a matter of fact. I mean, you can go to Durango and places in Colorado and experience this nightlife that frankly has been squashed. Uh, here in our city, and it's hard to compete on that. We have invested, as as you well know, um, in our downtown area. So we're going to be breaking ground this spring on the downtown revitalization. 
And our hopes is that we will have some of those private investors come into that area once they see what this is going to look like because it's going to be awesome uh, to where they will start opening up those kind of facilities for entertainment and art and and hanging out. I mean, that's what we want. What's it going to look what What's it going to look like? So essentially Main Street from from Wall, which is where Artifacts is, um, the Artifacts Gallery, there that's on the east side, all the way down to Allen or Barron, one of those streets. Okay. We're going to take it from a four-lane road to a two-lane road. Perfect. Okay, we're going to have 15-foot like sidewalks on each side in front of the building. So that if, if you're a, a shop owner, a restaurant owner, you can have outdoor seating. Um, you can display your wares outside. We're going to put three roundabouts in that area, which it's going to force everybody to slow down. But we, yep. we, it's no longer going to be a thoroughfare passage. Big trucks aren't going to be to go down, go down Main Street. They're going to nice. have to use Broadway uh, at this yeah. point, or they can use the truck bypass, which has existed forever. <laughs> um, but it makes it a much more, you know, we're trying to do this thing called placemaking. And where there are many things for many different kinds of people to do in one area. And we believe that with the public investment into changing the road diet, so to speak, um, and making it more walkable and more more pedestrian friendly, family friendly, that those businesses will follow into there and really revitalize that area. Nice. I love it, Nate. Thank you. We're working hard, man. Yeah, I like it. I don't really have anything else. So, uh, I was going to ask you just in with the. Uh, how do you like being mayor, man? It's good. It's exciting. It's exciting. It's it's exciting. And this Keeps is a, you busy. It 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 does, and it's a challenging time for for not just Farmington. It's a challenging time for for San Juan County. And you know, I said this when I ran for city council in 2014 that I believe our city deserves to have quality leadership, people who are principled and people who have vision and, and want to work hard and and understand that as times change, people's um, beliefs and feelings and needs change. And yeah. we're at that point where there's a lot of us, you know, in leadership roles here, there's a lot of synergy. Um, the county, um, the CVB, hospital, Aztec, Bloomfield, Kirtland, we're, we're all talking now. School districts, nice. I love it. we're all talking. We're on the same page because all of us exist because there's people here. Yeah. And if you're a business owner, you exist because there's people here. And we want to keep people coming here yeah that's our goal that's so exciting man <clears throat> to actually build an economy is like a huge task it's a huge task and we're just scratching the surface right and we're still trying to figure this out and you know i've got some great information here that I'm, I'm reading on right now about communities who've gone through um they call this the five stages of community life and it's a really it's a really interesting read actually but it talks about the five stages of community life and i, I don't want to run over here but no, that's what um, we got. You know, the five stages, you know, the waiting place, the waiting place, people in community often hold a deep sense uh, that things are not working right now, uh, but cannot quite put their finger on exactly what it is or what to do about it. Um, the impasse is the next phase. Here, a community hits rock bottom. When you visit such a community, you can hear people saying such things as, it can't go on like this anymore, or enough is enough. And then you go into the catalytic phase. And during this stage, there's a small group of people and organizations who emerge to take risks and experiment in ways that challenge existing norms on how the community works. And I, I like that phrase. The next one is the growth phase. And over the course of this stage, centers of strength will be expanded. Networks will grow. A sense of common purpose and direction taping, taking deep root. I feel like we're, I feel like we're moving into that. Mm -hmm. um, the people really buying into this. And then the last one is sustain and, and renew. But moving from growth to sustain and renew, it, it's taking, it takes every community member buying into this and organizing and committing themselves. Yeah. Volunteerism is so important uh, in following your passions. And it takes positive people with positive thoughts and positive visions who recognize, look, there are things I can and can't control. I got to focus on what I can control and what I can influence and make that where I play. Yep. There's too much outside noise that comes into every community now through social media and to, through all the other nonsense that breeds negativity. And I want to see people speak life over our community. I want to I see them speak life. Man, I love that. <clears throat> um, do, you, do you ever just drive around? I mean, you probably don't have a lot of time, but do you ever just, just drive around? and just look look at the town i mean 
So I, I do that sometimes, but I'm constantly you just I do it all the time. Go for a cruise in the evening and just random side streets, maybe talk to a little group of kids or something. I don't know. I do actually. You? Yeah, it's that's so funny. Cool, man. It's funny. I <laughs> so I I've over this last year I've taken up running. Um and I ran into a group of kids the other day, actually, and it was funny, I'm running and one of the kids sees me, he's like, Hey, it's the mayor <laughs> and all of a sudden there's five kids there. You know, so and they and they've all got their parents' opinions about things that are going on, which is really even funnier, you know? Yeah, get all well, the My info, dad bro. says, you know, and it's like, well, that's cool. Well, hey, you know, tell your dad, you know, X, Y, and Z. And, but, you know, I have a, I have a retail management background, and so I, I have a tendency to have an, an eye for how things look and appear and what people's perceptions are yeah. of those things are really important um, and how we sell ourselves as a community. And, and you know, the other day, you know, I took my kids and my wife, and we walked from my house to, to Dick's Sporting Goods. Nice. To go spend my my son's birthday gift cards, and but we walked there, you know, and and it was so funny cool. just to see how many people were looking at us like, what are these people doing, <laughs> I Walk, know. walking down Main Street? I mean, who does that? <laughs> um, needs to be more of that. It needs to be more of that, man. Yeah. It's it's everything is really close. We're very close to everything here, yeah. um, which makes it really appealing in my mind to a lot of groups of people. But um, it takes all of us to keep our city clean to pass on those good vibes to people who are around us, um, say good morning, to wave, to, yeah. I mean, those are things that people leave with. And I can say this for folks that have, uh, that I've spoken to recently who've relocated to Farmington. One of the first things they tell me is how nice everybody is. That's so and that's cool. such a cool, that, right? I mean, if that's your one compliment you get about your city, everybody in your city is really nice. Yeah. I love it. Chevelle Shepard, uh, we had her big concert here uh, the other night at the Civic Center. And the guys who were here from Albuquerque helping her I mean, they were just raving. Like, yeah. we can't believe how nice your pe- these <laughs> people are here. We deal with people all over the United States, and they're hard to deal with. But you guys are really, really cool. Um, <laughs> Everybody waving. Yeah, you know, and, and helpful. And how can I assist? You know, what can I do to help? That kind of attitude. Yeah. Um, it, it just breeds positivity. Because have you you've been to like a city like Los Angeles or go to Denver or something? It's it's weird, huh? I spent yeah, I spent quite a bit of time in Denver uh, during football season. We go up there quite a bit for Bronco like, games and can't wait to come back uh, home. It's a different it's a different experience up there. Um, <laughs> not as you know what though. I've been to Houston and been treated like a king in Houston. Nice. Um, so there certainly are some some good communities. I have never been. So I could say this: I don't spend time on the coasts. Oh yeah. So nice. I would imagine if you come from the East Coast or West Coast, yeah. and you come here, yeah, it's it's eye opening the difference. It really is. Um, people still hold on to those important values and principles of, of what makes uh, human beings good people. Yeah, I know. I'm so used to being in a small town that when I do get into a city, I'm like, oh, even Albuquerque. I'm like, oh, I got to go back home, man. I yeah. can't handle this. You know, we got we to gotta talk this up. I'm glad you're doing this podcast. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you're out there promoting it. Um, there's a lot of media sites out there who want to tear us down and, and you know, they put terrible things out there about our community that we're the worst at this so the you know and people need to understand if they see those types of headlines uh it's important to recognize that the city of farmington is the city of farmington what they're referencing is the metropolitan statistical area that they Mm -hmm. call farmington which is all of san juan county so when you see something that said this is the worst place to raise a kid it's basing it on population data and land area data and yeah i mean if you lived in Newcomb, yeah. and you were raising a kid there. It's probably there's probably not a park nearby, yeah, right? Absolutely. But if you grew up in the city of Farmington, there's a park on every corner. For sure. So I just make sure listeners out there know there is a difference. Um, and and if you have any questions, you can definitely reach out to me yeah. in regards to things. Uh, I'm obviously Farmington.com, FMTN.org is the website. You can find Perfect. my information on there. Perfect. Yeah, man. I'm I'm uh, I'm glad that we're talking it out, and I'm I'm excited about this whole outdoor initiative because. Growing up here, riding motocross, but just there's, you know, I, I like running, I like mountain biking, motocross, side by sides. Like, I think it's all cool. Shooting, it's all cool. Camping, fishing. Yeah. Yeah. And boating. So, yeah, I'm not just like right. know, one but it's all horseback cool. riding. Like, yeah. This is, this is the place, man. And it needs to be talked up more. And I'm excited that we're well, starting to look into it. So let me just bring this up, too. Uh, there's a group called Public Land Solutions who's going to be here in February. They're going to be having public meetings to talk about creating a world-class trail system that would connect the city of Farmington to we don't know where. Their initial their initial quest was 
to create a trail from Farmington to Chaco Canyon. Wow. They would be off road and then mountain bike and, and to make that a, you know, like, Hey, a bucket list item for somebody who loves those things. Yeah. Oh, wow. I can go from, I can stay in the hotels in Farmington. I can hit this trail and it takes me to Chaco and there's a campground on the way. And yeah, I mean, what a, what a great adventure. So they're going to be in town. Uh, I think it's February 6th and 7th. Uh, but check out our website for that information. Looking for public feedback on what the public would like to see. They're going to have two sessions. One's going to be kind of OHV and, and motocross based. Perfect. And the other one's going to be uh, mountain bike and um, hiking and equestrian. <clears throat> yeah, and I think I wrote those. I th- I'm going to try to try to catch both of them. I'd love to. And then, uh, yeah, in the description of the show notes, I'm going to put your uh, YouTube video for the Bistai stuff. That would yeah, just yeah, go there and that. check it out. Yeah. And I'll put your information and all that stuff on there too. But I got to do a mountain bike. Uh, yeah. Got to do a mountain bike mayor's table and let's do it. Yeah, go out to Anasazi or go out to Kinsey or go out to somewhere where you know a group and we go take some, you know, let's do it, take some footage and talk about what we're trying to do here because it, I just can't reinforce it enough. It, it's going to take all of us mm-hmm. to really shine the spotlight on here the way that we need to. Absolutely, man. It's exciting stuff. All right, Nate, let's get back to work, man. Thanks, man. Appreciate you coming. <laughs> Thank you so yes, much. Sir. <laughs>